Welcome to episode 11 of the Dharmapolis podcast. Hi Rajesh, welcome back. Hi Smita, welcome back from what? Uh, from being an Adarsh liberal. What? I'm still an Adarsh liberal. Don't you want to bomb Pakistan to pieces after Uri? All my friends want to and they're really disappointed that our current government isn't. Now what's not clear is if that's due to Dharma or because of Dhanda. Yeah, we know at least a few big industries whose dhanda will soar to new heights after a war. The ship of state, I think, is hard to sail and the sea is choppy. Um, yeah, moving on with our reading of the Hinswaraj, let's begin where we left off. Now, what does Gandhi have to say about the Indian civilization? Well, you might expect what the answer would be, right? He thinks it's perfect. Lawyers and doctors serve the people unbridled competition doesn't set people against each other mental control is superior to material wealth the best of all possible worlds amazing that's what the editor says but the reader points out a few flaws in the editor's argument what about child widows what about the pitiable poverty the wanton killing of animals and such now that we are awake to those imperfections they will soon be fixed Yaniki, ancient India was great and removing its blemishes will restore us to its ancient glory. Looks like it. It's me thoda Hindutva wala argument lagta hai Might have been a style of the times. The East is ahead in spiritual matters while the West is ahead in the material wealth aspects. Hmm, yes. And I think that's why there's so much commotion when, say, the Dalai Lama meets with scientists. Yeah, I think Gandhi also takes this opportunity to pan all other forms of civilization, right? Yes, and he resorts to a really weird account of historical facts to do so. So Rome and Greece did survive, which is true. Um, Japan became westernized, and he can't really decide about China. But India ke glory ke to kya kehne? But why does he dismiss China like that? It is, in a sense, the one country that has never been ruled by others and has had a civilization that can actually be comparable to India, right? Uh, that's the way we would look at it. The Chinese probably don't want to compare themselves to us. But <laughs> it does seem like China intrigues him, and as it does the world. Uh, but this is also where the editor equates civilization, not Western civilization, but the real deal as the mode of conduct for human beings in society. He's perhaps talking about in a not-so-veiled fashion about dharma. Now that you mention it, uh, he does talk of good conduct. He calls it uh, sudharo in Gujarati. So he's saying that the Indian civilization talks of dharma, so we don't have to listen to or learn from anyone else. That doesn't resonate with me quite so much. And maybe again, the style of the times. But he does speak of a they-them, our ancestors. I'm not sure who he's alluding to. But they seem to be really well sorted and satisfied with what they have. Maybe he's talking about the Buddha, but he doesn't mention him. And he says that anyone trying to change the conditions from the life he describes in a, is an enemy of the country. So I, I, I want to give him the benefit of doubt and say that maybe the comparison with foreign civilizations is really uh, a backdrop against which he wants to talk about India and the perfection that it might be able to achieve. Moving on to chapter 14, where, which is about how can India be free? Now, Gandhi has a paradox on his hands, doesn't he? Yes. We have seen that Western civilization is immoral and devoted to material pursuits, 
the British Parliament is selfish and its lawyers and doctors rob the poor. And yet, while the Indian civilization is fundamentally moral and sound, and yet we are slaves and the British rule over us. How come? Now, not all of us are slaves. Only those who work for the empire and are part of the economy the British are creating. The rest are still free. Also, Gandhi says that all civilizations face trials, and the civilizations that are permanent outlive it. Hmm. Hope springs eternal. And I think that that trial has been going on for the last century. You know, this empire civilization, whatever you want to call it, uh, it spread its tentacles after independence. You, know, you can now find coke in every village. So are you saying we are bigger slaves today than we were then? Maybe that's why Kanaya Kumar is asking for azadi. Azadi from coke. Hmm. I think the Aam Admi and the great man would both agree with you. Methinks, though, that Dal Nehru's Kala Listen, Gandhi says if the English become Indian, we will all be free. Well, that's easier said than done. That's what the reader thinks as well, but Gandhi is more optimistic. He says if the English become Indianized, they can be allowed to live in our country, that we need to keep our house in order and choose who's fit to remain in our house and by what rules. It seems a little intolerant to me. History is on the side of the reader on this one. Don't be so pessimistic. Let's just say that the glass is a quarter full. The reader has other ideas. He thinks the English can only be vanquished by armed force. If only we had done so, show them who's boss. We would be a superpower by now, wouldn't we? Indeed, the UN headquarters would be in Delhi. And the first man on the moon would be called Lalit Arumugan. If only Indians were like Italians. I can hear this anti-Sonia brigade coming after me right now. Arvidarchi. Chapter 15, Italy and India. Kind of hard to believe, but don't you think the nations were the startups of that era? Yeah. Mazzini, Garibaldi, Bismarck, these guys were celebrities in the way that, say, Gates and Zuckerberg and Jobs are today. So Gandhi approved of Mazzini. He calls him an adorable man. Yes, he's a great and good man. But the force of arms didn't bring Italy freedom. It only shook off the Austrian yoke. And that's when... They're both sister nations within one civilization. I see a little contradiction coming up. I think I see it too. He sees Italy's misery coming out of the clash between two kings, doesn't he? Yeah, and kings aren't any better than parliaments. Gandhi actually points out that the tyranny of the Indian princes can be even greater than that of the empire. But aren't Indian kings symbols of that fantastic, perfect Indian civilization? See, they're fallen kings, okay? The days of Ram Rajya are long gone, my friend. Ah, jokes aside though, he's really getting serious here. He is, yes. Is armed struggle justifiable? And even if it is, how are we going to do it? Can we defeat the Brits? We can, but only by becoming Europeans ourselves. And that would be defeat snatched from victory. It's a catch-22. There's a counter-argument though. And what's that? That Western civilization only answers to force. History proves it. Gandhi himself admits the English sway to gunpowder. And I've seen that argument again and again. That India didn't win freedom because of the freedom struggle, uh, but because the English were exhausted after two world wars in 30 years. What does Gandhi have to say about that? If uh, murdering the British gets us independence, then it's the murderers who will be in power after we are free. If the yoke is brutal, does it matter how it's thrown or who throws it? Which brings us to the next chapter, Brute Force. 
Not if the yoke comes back when the threat goes away. Queen Victoria proclaimed equality in 1858, but that promise was never kept. But the British took India by force. Will a conqueror ever keep a promise? Whether we protest with arms, candles, or flowers? Probably not, but that only means we need Swaraj, not that we should get it with the force of arms. Otherwise, we become conquerors in turn, don't we? The pedagogy of the oppressed syndrome? Yeah. And I think Gandhi says means are as important as the ends. And I find that even more important today because when there is no enemy, the British have left, but Swaraj is still nowhere to be seen. Not only in India, but on the earth as a whole. What do you mean? Well, humans have occupied this planet by force, haven't we? Uh, how do we end this occupation? Who's the enemy? How do we isolate the enemy within? I don't even know where to begin with that question, actually. I mean, the British were our lords for a couple of hundred years. But humans, we've been bosses for a few thousand. I mean, yeah, the enemy within. My God. Indeed. Uh, but that's the topic for another day. Let's get back to the editor. I'm not sure I agree with him here. About the expansion of voting rights in England? Yeah. It happened with violence, but how can we disagree with the outcome today? And so many movements within India have used violence or its threat to gain concessions. And I do think tactical violence has worked when backed by some moral legitimacy. Again, I think it depends on the history and geography. It's worked in Haryana, but not in Kashmir. Because the state recognizes the legitimacy of one, but not the other? Probably, and that's where our differences make a difference. Meaning? Race, caste, religion, uh, they all mark boundaries of moral legitimacy. White men will consider the demands of other white men while denying those of darker skin, for instance. And Hindus will deny Muslims and people of trees. I think we are all border police in some way or the other. Speaking of border police, I was watching a video of the conscience keeper of the nation. Alas, how the mighty have fallen. <laughs> From Gandhi to Goswami. Indeed, no more forgiveness, he states. The time to act is now. Leadership must find a way to make Pakistan pay. And you can see my finger wagging, even if um, it's not available on SoundCloud. You know, Gandhi talks about the armed thief who has come to rob you and how you react to him. I couldn't stop thinking of how much this makes sense in this current context. Yes, he dismisses brute force but mentions passive resistance, which he calls the force of love or soul. The first mention of non-cooperation, perhaps. More on that in the next chapter, but that's it for this time. Thanks for listening in to episode 11 of our Dharmapolis podcast. We're now on iTunes. Do subscribe and leave a review. Till next time. Ciao.